Let's go over the unaided day and night observation techniques. Avoid all unnecessary movement. Remain motionless while observing. Use all available concealment. Expose nothing that reflects light. Blend with the background, contrasting colors are noticeable. Remain in the shade, moving shadows attract attention. Avoid making obvious shadows and silhouettes. Avoid the skyline. Figures on the skyline can be seen from great distances and are easily identified by their outlines. Search fields of view. When searching the fields of view, there are three known methods. The off-center vision method, scanning method, and strip method. The off-center mission method is viewing an object by looking 6 to 10 degrees above, below, or to either side of the object, rather than directly at it. The scanning method involves looking from right to left or left to right using a slow, regular scanning movement. The strip method begins observing close to your post and search a narrow strip 50 meters or less deep, going from right to left parallel to your front. Then search from left to right a second and similar strip farther away, but overlapping the first. Preserve night vision. When entering a lighted area one eye should be closed and covered to preserve its night vision. When the light goes off, the night vision retained by the protected eye enables it to see until the other eye adapts to the darkness. Red light helps preserve night vision it can be observed at long distances. Fatigue, lack of oxygen, lung exposure to sunlight, alcohol, nicotine within the past 48 hours, and age can decrease night visual acuity. Enhance hearing. Hearing is amplified with the mouth open. Removing the helmet will reduce sound distortion. By holding the ear close to the ground, sounds of people walking and vehicles moving can be heard. Let's go over the salute report. Information must be reported as quickly, accurately, and completely as possible. An established method to remember how and what to report about the enemy is to use the acronym SALUTE. SALUTE stands for size and strength, activity, reactions, location, and direction of movement, unit identification, time of observation, equipment, and weapons. Now, let's review the five paragraphs of an operation order. The acronym used to remember the five paragraphs order is SMEAC, and it stands for Situation, Mission, Execution, Administration, and Logistics, and Command and Signal. Situation refers to environment, enemy forces, friendly forces, attachments, and detachments. Mission refers to clear, concise statement of the task that the patrol must accomplish. Execution is a brief summary, task organization, movement, action, time, location, rally points, details, and final preparation. Administration and logistics refers to rations, ammunition, distribution point, corpsman, POW, and supplies. Command and signal establishes the communications, radio call signs and procedures, emergency signals, pyrotechnics, restrictions, and locations. Hand and arm signals. Here, we will go over the hands and arm signals for column formation, echelon left and right, skirmishers left and right, which formation, fire team, squad, platoon, close up, open up, halt, dismount take cover, and hasty ambush. Column formation. Raise either arm to the vertical position. Drop the arm to the rear, describing complete circles in a vertical plane parallel to the body. The signal may be used to indicate either a troop or vehicular column. Echelon left and right. The leader may give this signal either facing towards or away from the unit. Extend one arm 45 degrees below the horizontal, palms to the front. The lower arm indicates the direction of echelon. Skirmishers left and right. Raise both arms lateral until horizontal, arms and hands extended palms down. When signaling for fire team skirmishers, indicate skirmishers right or left by moving the appropriate hand up and down. The appropriate hand does not depend on the direction the signaler is facing. Skirmishers left will always be indicated by moving the left hand up and down. Skirmishers right, the right hand. Wedge formation. Extend both arms downward and to the side at an angle of 45 degrees below the horizontal, palms to the front. Fire team. The right arm should be placed diagonally across the chest. Squad. 
extend the hand and arm toward the squat leader, palm of the hand down. Distinctly move the hand up and down several times from the wrist, holding the arm steady. Platoon. Extend both arms forward, palms of the hands down toward the leaders for whom the signal is intended, and describe large vertical circles with hands. Close up. Start the signal with both arms extended sideward, palms forward, and bring palms together in front of the body momentarily. When repetition of this signal is necessary, the arms are returned to the starting position by movement along the front of the body. Open up. Start the signal with the arms extended in front of the body, palms together, and bring the arms to the horizontal position at the sides, palms forward. When repetition of this signal is necessary, the arms are returned along the front of the body to the starting position, and the signal is repeated until understood. Halt or stop. Carry the hand to the shoulder, palm to the front, then thrust the hand upward vertically to the full extent of the arm, and hold it in that position until the signal is understood. Dismount and take cover. Extend the arm sideward at an angle of 45 degrees above the horizontal, palm down, and lower it to side. Both arms may be used in giving this signal. Repeat until understood. Hasty ambush. Raise fist to shoulder level, and thrust it several times in the desired direction. Now, let's go over the fighting positions. When constructing a fighting position use the acronym SAFE. SAFE stands for security, automatic weapons, field of fire, and entrenchment. There are two types of fighting positions. Individual fighting position and two-man fighting position. Let's begin with the individual fighting position. The size and shape of the fighting hole are affected by certain important considerations. It is as small as practicable, exposing a minimum target to enemy fire, wide enough to accommodate the shoulders of a man sitting on the fire step, long enough to permit use of an entrenching tool, and at least 4 feet deep to the fire step. The marine should be able to aim, and fire his or her weapon, when standing on the fire step. The two-man fighting hole consists essentially of two adjacent one-man fighting holes. Some advantages of the two-man fighting position are as follows. It allows continuous observation, mutual assistance and reassurance, and the redistribution of ammunition between the occupants. Disadvantages. Since it is longer than the one-man type, the two-man fighting hull offers somewhat less protection against a tank crossing along the long axis, as well as less protection against strafing, bombing, and shell fragments. The fighting hull gives protection against the crushing action of tanks provided the occupant crouches at least two feet below the ground surface. Let's discuss the armor protection level system. The Marine Corps recognizes the operational requirement to move away from the one-size-fits-all approach in dealing with ballistic protection. The following armor protection level systems are established and apply to all Marine Corps-issued body armor sets, including, but not limited to the modular tactical vest, outer tactical vest, plate carrier, and full-spectrum battle equipment. In level 0, no body armor is worn. In level 1, vest, plate carrier is worn with soft armor only. In level 2, vest and plate carrier are worn with front and back hard armor plates. In level 3, vest and plate carrier are worn with front and back hard armor plates, and side hard armor plates. Let's review the meanings of camouflage, cover, and concealment. Camouflage is anything that you can use to keep yourself, your equipment, and your position from looking like what they really are. You can also use both natural and man-made materials for camouflage. Cover is anything that gives protection from bullets, fragments of exploding rounds, flame, nuclear effects, and biological and chemical agents. Cover can also conceal you from enemy observation. Cover can be natural or man-made. Concealment is anything that hides you from the enemy's observations. Concealment does not protect you from enemy fire. Now, let's go over some individual movements techniques. Here we will go over movements such as high crawl, low crawl, back crawl, rush, night walk, creeping, crossing a wall, observing around a corner, popping the corner technique, and crossing a danger area. Let's begin with the high crawl. 
The high crawl is used when cover or concealment are available, when poor visibility reduces enemy observation, and when greater speed of movement is required. To perform the high crawl, keep your body off the ground. Rest weight on forearms and lower legs. Cradle rifle in arms, keeping the muzzle off the ground. Keep knees well behind the buttocks to stay low. Move forward, alternately advancing right forearm and left knee, then left forearm and right knee. The low crawl is used when cover and concealment are scarce, when the enemy has good observation over the area in which the scout is moving, and when speed is not essential. To perform the low crawl, keep your body as flat as possible against the ground. Grasp the rifle sling with the upper sling swivel. Let the balance of the rifle rest on the forearm, and let the butt of the rifle drag on the ground. Keep the muzzle off the ground. Start forward by pushing your arms forward, and pulling right leg forward. Move forward by pulling with arms and pushing with right leg. Change the pushing leg frequently to avoid fatigue. To perform the back crawl, slide head first, on your back. Push yourself forward with your shoulders and heels. Carry your weapon lengthwise on your body. Rush, when starting from the prone position. Raise your head slowly and steadily, and select a new position. Lower your head slowly, draw arms inward, cock right leg forward, and prepare to rush. Use one movement to raise the body by straightening both arms. Spring to your feet, stepping off with the left foot. Bend forward as low as possible when running. Never advance directly to the next position, always zigzag. When hitting the deck, stop and plant both feet in place. Drop quickly to the knees and slide the hand to the heel of the rifle. Fall forward, breaking your fall with the butt of the rifle. Keep your head down, if you do not intend to fire. When rolling over, hit the deck and assume the prone position. Roll over swiftly to confuse any enemy observers, as to your final intended location. Never reappear at the same place you went down. Night walk. Place the heel down first. Balance the weight of your body on the rear foot until a secure spot is found. Lift the forward foot high to clear any stiff grass, brush, or other obstruction. Continue to balance body weight on the rear foot, lower the forward foot gently, and toe first, to explore the ground for objects that might make noise. Step over fallen logs and branches, not on them. Lower the heel of the forward foot slowly, gradually transferring body weight to that foot. Creeping. Creep at night on the hands and knees. Use your hands to feel for twigs, leaves, or other substances that might make a noise. Clear a spot to place your knee. Keeping your hand at that spot, place your knee in the same spot. Keeping your hand at that spot, place your knee on the ground, and repeat the action with the other hand and knee. Crossing a wall. Reconnaissance the wall before crossing. Quickly roll over the wall, keeping a low silhouette. The speed of your movement and a low silhouette denied the enemy a good target. Observing around a corner. Observe the area around a corner, before moving beyond it. The most common mistake made at a corner, is allowing the weapon, to extend beyond the corner before observing, thereby exposing your position. Short stock technique. The shooter should be capable of both right-handed, and left-handed firing of his, or her weapon using this technique to be effective around corners. Short stocking the weapon will prevent the muzzle from protruding, and keep the weapon ready to fire the instant visual contact is made with the enemy. Furthermore, it reduces the marine's exposure as a target. A common mistake when firing around corners, is firing from the standing position. The shooter exposes him or herself at the height the enemy would expect a target to appear, and risks exposing the entire length of the body as a target for the enemy. Popping the corner technique. Get into a prone position near the corner of a building, or obstacle around which to observe. The weapon is short-stocked, and the muzzle is pointed in the direction you are looking. This allows you to engage a target, if necessary, when observing around a corner. Crawl to the corner, but don't expose yourself. Raise your upper body onto your elbows. Then push your body forward with your feet and legs without moving your elbows. Your upper body, with the weapon ready, will move forward. The final position will expose the weapon, your helmet, and a minimal amount of your face. Your forearms will come to rest on the deck giving you a low profile, the ability to observe around the corner, 
and the immediate capability to engage targets with your weapon. Crossing a danger area. Open areas such as streets, alleys, and parks should be avoided. They are natural kill zones for enemy crew served weapons. They can be crossed safely, as certain fundamentals are applied by marines and small unit leaders. When using the correct procedure for crossing an open area, develop a plan for your own movement. Use smoke from hand grenades or smoke pots to conceal the movement of all marines. Run the shortest distance between buildings and move along the far building to the next position. By doing so, you reduce the amount of time during which you are exposed to enemy fire. Before moving to another position, make a visual reconnaissance and select the position that offers the best cover and concealment. At the same time, select the route that you will take to get to that position. When moving from position to position, be careful not to mask your supporting fires. When you reach your next position, be prepared to cover the movement of other members of your assault forcer element. Let's go over the Kasavak categories of precedence, and the criteria used to determine their assignment. Casualties needing air Kasavak will be given appropriate degrees of precedence so that, if aircraft space is limited, more urgent patients are evacuated before those whose conditions are less serious. The senior military person present makes the determination to request medical evacuation and assignment of precedence. This decision is based on the advice of the senior medical person at the scene, the patient's condition, and the tactical situation. The following are categories of precedence, and the criteria used in patient assignment. Priority 1 is urgent, an evacuation within a maximum of 2 hours, in order to save life, limb, or eyesight, to prevent complications of serious illness, or to avoid permanent disability. Priority 1 Alpha is urgent surgical and evacuation is within 2 hours. Patient must receive far forward surgical intervention to save life, and to stabilize them for further evacuation. Priority 2 is priority and evacuation within 4 hours, or his medical condition could deteriorate to such a degree, that he will become an urgent precedence. Priority 3 is routine. In this category patients requiring evacuation, but whose condition is not expected to deteriorate significantly. Evacuation should occur within 24 hours. Priority 4 is convenience and evacuation by medical vehicle, is a matter of medical convenience rather than necessity. Kasavak pickup zones cannot always be selected in favorable terrain, but the size of the landing zone will dictate what type of helicopters will be able to support your Kasavak, and may determine how large of a landing zone will need to be cleared. A landing point is a specific point where one helicopter can land. Landing points collectively form landing sites. A landing site is an area within a large landing zone used by the helicopter-borne unit as a tactical control designator, in order to land in predetermined locations. The marking of landing zones varies from the initial marking with smoke for landing zone identification and wind direction to elaborate markings. Take a look at the table below to calculate an approximation for the overall length of the landing zone diameter, based on the type of helicopter, and the height of possible surrounding obstructions. Now, let's go through the procedures of requesting a Kasavak. Helicopters are normally requested through battalion, but the platoon and rifle company commanders should be aware of their availability under all circumstances. The Kasavak request is submitted to the appropriate unit using a 9-line Kasavak request. The casualty evacuation request is used for requesting evacuation support for both air and ground ambulances. There are two established casualty evacuation formats and procedures. One for wartime use and one used in peacetime. Let's go over each line. Line 1, location of pickup site. Line 2, radio frequency and call sign. Line 3, number of patients by precedence. Line 4, special equipment required. Line 5, number of patients by type. Line 6, security of pick of sight, during wartime. Line 6, number and type of injury, during peacetime. Line 7, method of marking at pick of sight. Line 8, patient nationality and status. Line 9, NBC contamination, during wartime. Line 9, terrain description, during peacetime.